Welcome to the Andy Staples Show National Title Game Edition. One more game. The one ring to rule them all. Alabama, Ohio State from lovely Miami Gardens, Florida. Everybody's going to say South Beach, but that's not where they play the games. I think there's like one football field on the island of Miami Beach. And it's not big enough to host a national title game. Ari Wasserman, you're also in a tropical location, but not the same tropical location that I am in. I am in Miami. You are in Cabo. Yeah, I uh, I would trade you, though. I would trade you. for. I mean, the, the last four or five nights have been wonderful, but now I wish I was at the national championship game with you. But I'm happy that the athletic has us covered with you and Landis and uh, Aaron Suttles and all the the dream team of the athletic college football writers. And the one thing I wanted to say is I find it funny because I messed up um, the counties when we were talking about Florida in, in the previous podcast. And I called Dade County something that should have been Broward County. And that messed you up. And you were all uh, wound up about it. And I think that everybody messes that up. And I've noticed that you don't think that you you think that everybody needs a map of of South Florida because I don't know that we got the counties all correctly Miami Miami Gardens Dade Broward there's a lot going on down there well exactly no well you have to there's three counties you need to worry about in terms of recruiting and that's Dade Broward Palm Beach County those are the those are your big talent producing counties Dade is where Miami is Broward is where Fort Lauderdale is Palm Beach County is where Palm Beach is and Bell Glade and the muck and all that good stuff too but yeah that's you gotta gotta get your geography right. I just it it makes me laugh because LeBron James said I'm taking my talents to South Beach, and then everybody from then on, every time they refer to Miami, they say South Beach. But like the football stadium where they're going to play this game could not be anywhere different, anywhere yeah. more different than South Beach. <laughs> I don't know that he was talking about basketball when he said that. Uh, what what county is? Uh, Boca in because that's where I'm going to buy a house on a country club one day. That's my life goal. Boca Boca is in Palm Beach County. You and Willie Taggart can hang out. Yeah, yeah. Boca Raton. I think Lane's still got a place down there too. Yeah, Woodfield Country Club. Uh, that's I'm going to be walking with my shirt off uh, uh, in my upper uh, upper 30s and 40s for the rest of my life. So that's that's <laughs> kind of what that's what we're we're hoping for. That is tremendous. So Ari, this game is. For you, Mr. Stars Matter, mm -hmm. this is the game. This is the game you've wanted. These are the two best recruiting teams in America. Uh, if you read my story on Friday, they're also the best draft-producing teams in America. Probably has a lot to do with being the best recruiting teams in America. But this is the most talent you're going to see on the field at one time, probably in a long time. Right? Maybe since Alabama-Clemson two years ago. Well, technically, it would have been Alabama-Georgia this year because Georgia's number one. Uh, but... Without a quarterback, as we've mentioned a thousand times on this podcast, that kind of mucks it up a little bit. Um, but I will say how shocked I am, Andy, that the number two and number three most talented teams in America are playing for the national title. Like, I, I, I how on <laughs> earth did that happen? I, I don't know, but uh, it is interesting because this is the one of the only times that Ohio State is playing a team that has technically more talent on its roster than they do. I mean, I think it, it goes back all the way to 2014 or the 2015, uh, technically in January when they played Alabama the last time. Uh, this is the first time I think Ohio State's played a team that's more talented than it is. And, like, that's a long time. You know, and Ohio State, more so than uh, they probably should have over the course of the past few years, has lost games that they shouldn't have lost. When you look at the, the talent composite, and I'm talking about the Purdue's and the Iowa's, but uh, 
for the most part, they fared very well uh, in games where they are playing teams that are similarly talented. And it's like, if you go back and you look at Urban Meyer's greatness as Ohio State's head coach, I think he only played seven or eight games out of the entire time where he was playing teams that were similarly talented. So, you know, it's it's an interesting dynamic. And, like, I don't know how, how far back you want to go and look, but, like, Ohio State playing Clemson, there was a talent gap in that game, too. And when Ohio State got things together, it showed. So, you know, now they have to shoot up for the first time uh, in six or seven years, and it'll be very interesting to see if they can, you know, manage that because it's a great, easy task to be a wonderful head coach with a great offensive mind who can blow out teams when you're playing teams that don't stack up from a talent perspective. And that's what Ryan Day has done for this entire career so far. It's another thing to be able to scheme up a game plan and beat a team that has more talent than you on its roster. And that's what Alabama is. And so you mentioned the last time they played Ohio State won that game. And we assumed because that was the first year of the playoff that we would see Ohio State and Alabama either annually or, you know, every couple years. We've not seen that game since. And there's a couple of reasons for it. I mean, uh, one, Ohio State losing to Michigan State in 2015. You know, that that's the game I feel like we really got robbed of is, is 2015 Ohio State versus 2015 Alabama. I think that would have been a lot of fun. I also would have loved 2015 Ohio State against 2015 Clemson. That would have been an amazing game, too. But we didn't get that one. 2016 Ohio State gets blown out by Clemson in the playoff. 2017, they lost to Iowa. 2018, they lost to Purdue. You know, it, it just that it, it never quite worked out. And then 2019, obviously, they were very good and they lost to a very good Clemson team. But Alabama wasn't even in the playoff because of LSU. Yeah. So the, it's it's taken a while to get them back together. But I am very excited about this because the more I think about this, Ari, the more I think Ohio State, assuming there are not massive COVID issues, assuming they have most of their starting lineup playing. I think Ohio State has a very good chance in this game. Yeah, I do too. I, I think right now, like blindly, you could say that the play here would probably be to take the points because I think two scores is a pretty nice gift for a team yeah, that's playing as that's well a, as they're playing. Um, and Ohio State is eight and one uh, in their last nine games as as underdogs. So you know it doesn't very happen. It doesn't happen very often that they're not underdogs very much. But I don't know that Ohio State has been a two score underdog since. 2014 against Alabama when they ended up winning. So, you know, I know that that game probably has very little. Was that probably the worst Alabama team to make the playoff during the Nick Saban era? Uh, Blake Sims was probably not their worst quarterback that they've had. And, you know, Mac Jones is playing yes. like Joe Burrow right now. So I don't know if you can go back and say, well, Ohio State conquered that mountain. But the most interesting dynamic about this whole thing is that for all the salt that there was in the in the Clemson game and the fact that Clemson got the best of Ohio State, um, both in recruiting at times and on the field leading into, you know, the game 10 days ago. Alabama is the monster that Ohio State had been chasing. That was like Urban Meyer's obsession when he got to Ohio State. That was the team that they had to conquer, that they had to beat. And they ended up beating them in a semifinal, and that kind of like changed the Big Ten versus SEC dynamic a little bit. But like Ohio State hasn't played Alabama when it is the big bad Alabama that it is this year. And like, I so think that, I, it's yeah. interesting that you, you bring this up because if everybody read Bill Landis's fantastic story about Urban Meyer sending that text out from the field at the Alabama Notre Dame game. So do you know who he's talking to right before he sent that text? Who? Me. 
<laughs> we were standing there and we were just making small talk because I, I had covered him when he was Florida's coach. So we knew each other pretty well. And we're watching Alabama's defensive linemen warm up. And he and I are sitting there and we're like, man, these guys look good. And, and he's asking me questions about, okay, who's this guy? Where is he from? Who's it? And it was Damien Square, I think was the one that finally, <laughs> he's just like, whoa. Because uh, if I remember correct, Damien Square is from Houston. Because he was, he was very curious about where everybody was from because he's trying to figure out their recruiting footprint. And Damien was the backup nose that season. I think Jesse Williams, the, the, uh, the big Australian dude who had played Juco in Arizona, was the, the starting nose. And he's like, he's looking at it, he's like, that's the backup. <laughs> that's the backup. And they went to Houston, Texas, and he plays as a backup at Alabama instead of a starter at Texas. Like, and and so you could see kind of the wheels turning in, in Urban Meyer's head. And I had, I didn't know until later, until all the stories came out in 2014 about the whole chase thing the, and then sending the text. But it was, you could tell kind of an aha moment for him. Like, yeah. This is how I have to do it. We'll be right back after these words. And it's, it's been really kind of an interesting thing to watch unfold, Andy, because that's not the way that anybody in the North recruited. It's like the only way that you were able to do that or to accomplish that is to go conquer uh, nationally. And Ohio State's always been built, even during the Trestle years, majorly uh, on uh, the majority is, is Ohio kids. And there are really good players in Ohio. And... You know, you can build a really solid team that can win the Big Ten every year in Ohio. I mean, Michigan State has has built a team that can compete for a, a Big Ten title every four years by by recruiting Ohio. But the only way that you're able to do that is to go into the Floridas and go into the Texases and go in into California and, and assemble a roster that that has those types of guys. And it's funny because Bill and I have played this game during boring weeks in the past uh, covering Ohio State. How many games would Ohio State's backups win in the Big Ten? And I think you could make it a case that Ohio State could win the Big Ten with only their backups. Um, and the reason why that that has happened is because they have stacked talent at a level that is unprecedented in this conference. And frankly, the reason why the Big Ten has had better teams is because of what Urban Meyer started back in 2012 when he took the job. I mean, not only did did he turn Ohio State into from a from a good program into an elite one, but he also turned the Big Ten conference into a joke from a joke into a team that can be competitive across the board because other other programs and other teams um, had to hire coaches and invest in coaching staffs and invest in recruiting at a level that they never were before in order to at least be competitive with Ohio State. So um, it's been kind of an interesting dynamic, and I look at Urban Meyer's greatest legacy at Ohio State, not for the national championship that he won in Dallas in 2014 or to cap off the 2014 season, but what he built. When you actually look at what Ohio State has been over the course of the past seven or eight years, I think you could say it's the most underachieving program in America based on what they have on their team and what they've built and what they've actually accomplished. I mean, you went through all the scenarios just a minute ago about all the things that they lost out on um, or the reason why we haven't had Alabama games. It's like, because they lost to Purdue and Iowa, like that that stuff happened. And for the amount of teams that they've had. And badly, lost badly yeah. to those teams. So the, the Iowa thing, so remember that year, that was 2017. And and before I go any further, I, I want to say I shortchanged Damian Square. I'm sorry. He was starting on that team. He was a defensive end. I also gave him about 52 many pounds. He was a, he was a starting 3-4 defensive end on that team. He was not a backup nose. My bad. All right, so 2017, you have the situation where Ohio State had lost to Oklahoma early in the season. 
perfectly understandable. Oklahoma was great that year. Baker Mayfield, senior year. They lose to Iowa in a blowout. And then you have Nick Saban on the non-SEC West champion Alabama team on the day of the championship games going on Scott Van Pelt and saying, if we'd gotten beat by however, how many points did, did Ohio State lose to Iowa by? Was it 30, 35? I don't think it was, it was 35. It was like tw- upper 20s, I think. It upper 20s. Oh, it was like four touchdowns. And he basically said, if we'd gotten beaten like that, we wouldn't be talking right now. And that was the that was the moment where you knew, okay, they're going to pick Alabama. It, and, and Alabama, I had covered that Iron Bowl that year. Alabama had looked very pedestrian against Auburn. Like they they had gotten soundly beaten by Auburn that year. And you could have made the argument either way. Now, Alabama went on and won the national title, so the committee gets the benefit of the doubt on that one. But you're right. It was just one thing after another that kept these two apart. And I'm I'm ready. I am ready because you know, you look at Alabama this year and you say, okay, they're unstoppable. Well, we said the same thing about the 2018 Alabama team going into the Clemson game. And it was Clemson's offensive line is never going to be able to block these guys. They've not been that good all year. Uh, We know Clemson has a good defensive line, but how much difference is that really going to make against two and all those receivers? Well, it turned out Alabama was a little thin at corner that year and nobody could nobody could guard Justin Ross and Clemson just picked on whoever was on Justin Ross every single time. One of the one of the Bama corners got hurt during the game. They put in a backup. They picked on him more. And it was just, there, there was no no hope. It turned out Clemson was the, the better team by far that year. And I wonder if we're falling into that trap right now with Alabama because let's look at the teams Alabama has played. The two teams that have slightly challenged Alabama are Ole Miss and Florida. Both of them have incredible offenses. Ole Miss... I think Matt Corral on the right day is a really, really good quarterback and can can compete with anybody. But that was also Lane Kiffin really understanding Nick Saban's defense, doing a lot of things to, to drive him crazy. The Florida offense, you had an alien in Kyle Pitts. I mean, he's a first-round draft pick. He was the, you know maybe the best player. He'd be the, have been the best player on the field if the Heisman Trophy winner hadn't also been on the field in Devontae Smith. So... You have them, you have Kadarius Toney, who is a, a just multifaceted weapon that when you have him and Kyle Pitts on the field at the same time, it's very difficult to deal with. And, you know, Kyle Trask, a very good quarterback. They had a good complimentary receiving core. They had backs that catch the ball in the backfield. What neither of those two teams had was a defense full of future NFL players. Like Kyer Elam from Florida is probably a first-round draft pick, but I don't know who else is. I don't know if anybody on Ole Miss's defense is a first-round draft pick. And so Alabama's offense just shredded those teams. Well, what if what if Alabama can only score in the high 30s or the 40s? You think Ohio State can match that? Because I think they probably can. Well, the over-under is 75, so I think that's the expectation, right? I, I don't know. If, if Ohio State is able to hold Alabama to the high 30s, I think they can win the football game. It's a matter of whether or not so that Alabama is going to get into the 50s. And, you know, the in, the interesting dynamic here is uh, there's some rumors about Ohio State's health on the defensive line. And I think that's going to be a major, major factor once we get this availability yeah, that, report. Um, but I don't know that anybody's actually expecting uh, Ohio State to hold Alabama 
in the upper 20s or low 30s, I think the expectation is that Ohio State has the ability, like some of the teams that have gotten to Alabama, to score in the upper 40s or the mid 40s with Alabama to give themselves a chance to win in the in the fourth quarter. And, you know, on the other podcast I do with Bill, somebody asked, well, when everybody thinks um, a game is going to go a certain way, usually it goes the exact opposite. And it's possible that one of these games could be like a 31-26 game. And it's just like, if I think well, if, that, let, if that happens, Ohio State wins the football game. Let me let me ask you this. If Ohio State's defensive line has some some issues, if, if there's a couple guys who can't play, if you're Nick Saban, do you try to, to get a lead and then play keep away? Because you can run the ball. You can eat clock if you want to. I, I, I've said this a million times about Alabama. What I love about them is they'll beat you however you want to be beaten. And if they if they need to, they could play that kind of game where you get a 10 point lead and you just run the ball and eat clock. And then if you get a chance to hit a a play action pass or an RPO and score great, but they'll take Najee Harris five yards at a clip over and over and over again. And on the flip side, Ari, I do think this is the best offensive line that Alabama is going to have played. It is. You look at what Ohio State has done running the ball the last two games. You look at what Trey Sermon has done running the ball the last two games. I mean, it's the run looks like what Zeke did in 2014. He obviously, if you ask an NFL talent evaluator, they're not, they're going to say that Trey Sermon is not Zeke Elliott, but the results seem fairly similar right now. So I do wonder if this turns into a slugfest on the ground if that's the way they can move the ball, because I, I think both teams may have success doing that and maybe more success doing that than, than just chucking it, depending on how good the pass rush is for both teams. I spent all year uh, talking about how Ohio state would lose in the playoff because they don't have a good running back. And now Trey Sermon has rushed for over 500 yards in his last two postseason games. And it just like, if they're going to have Ezekiel Elliott on top of everything they have on offense this year, or Ezekiel Elliott-like production, then I don't know how they get stopped. And Ryan Day has done a, a tremendous job, and this is something that he think the one thing that I would say is a definitive improvement from the Urban Meyer era is scheming up an offense and you know having um, a vision of a game plan and executing that game plan at a high level. And you know, for, for the Clemson example, they they found something in the tight ends. They had three touchdowns from tight ends for the first time since like 19, 1905. and like it's like. I don't know what they're going to have here, but if Sermon is going to be that productive and he's going to turn into Zeke, then all of a sudden you're adding a legit threat at running back, which is one of Ohio State's two main weaknesses coming into the season. Now you have a team that can score at a very high level against a defense that I'm not sure is equipped to keep Ohio State from scoring in the 30s or 40s. And when the thing that is that Alabama's offense to be pressured against a team as talented as Ohio State to have to score in the upper 40s makes me think well, Ohio State might actually have a chance to win this football game. And it's like eight and a half points, I think, is way too much. The thing that excites me the most about this game is it sets up very similarly to the first Alabama-Clemson national title game. It it feels like that. Now, I, Alabama's got a better quarterback than they had then and and definitely better skill guys on offense. But they also don't have as dominant a defense. I mean, the the reason that defense got stretched the way it did was because Deshaun Watson was amazing in that game. And I hope that's what this game is because that game was played at such a high level 
for the entirety of the game. There wasn't, you know, there wasn't a sloppy first quarter or, you know, uh, the team's kind of bogged down in the second and the third. No, it was 100% adrenaline, pedal to the metal all the way through. And it took Nick Saban realizing that he had to steal a possession and onside kicking to give Alabama the win. Like, they don't win the game if he doesn't do the onside kick. So that was a 45-40 game. I, I hope for a similar score and a similar game. If that's the case, we will have gotten the best possible game we could have gotten out of this thing. Well, I was playing a game with Bill, and I want to play it with you. Um, and I don't know. This is just kind of – it's hard to to do it a little bit because it's they're both great. But if you went, like, position group by position group with Alabama and Ohio State – Who's do you think is better? And it's if you do this, it's really, really close. It's like, who do you think has a better quarterback? Uh, ooh. Before the season, I would have said Justin Fields easily. It's not, it's not as easy now. But I do think Justin Fields can do more. Justin right. Fields is more mobile and, and is a threat to, to be a home run if he gets loose running the ball and, and Max not. So, all right, let's, let's give that edge to, to, Ohio State. Who's got a better offensive line? Slight edge Alabama, but they're both really good. But yeah. it's five pros on each team. Who's got better receivers? Alabama. Is that, do you think that that is like a snap answer the way you did it? Yes. Yep. They have Devontae Smith, who is the best receiver in the game, but who has the best receivers? I'll take Alabama on that one too, with Mechie and and Billingsley yeah. and yeah yeah. I'll, I mean I'll they've got, they've got they've got a lot of threats. I'm not sure. I just don't know that it is a snap because Ohio State's well, and, and receivers are insane. Here here's the other thing. You're going to go running back next, and if you're just talking skill set, Najee Harris is the better back. But look at the results the last two games. How could you possibly say that that Trey Sermon's not right up there? I think Najee Harris is a snap decision though. And it's like if Ohio State gets Ezekiel Elliott production from a worse running back, that's how you upset a team that's a two-score uh, favorite. But I just the one thing I wanted to make abundantly clear when doing this is that between Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and some of those freshmen that they have, that you know, four receivers who are all top sixty national, Ohio State's receivers are stacked, and like nobody's as good as Devontae Smith. And I'm not trying to put it that way, but. I think that the world is going to meet Garrett Wilson on Monday night, and you're going to have the. Yeah. Uh, Ari, you're forgetting who might also play. Yeah, well, if if, if he if Waddle plays and is healthy, then it's a snap, because that's insane. Um, and good for him for even putting himself in a position to potentially get back. I mean, he broke his ankle like what three months ago. It, How, it wasn't long. It's, is he, he's uh, he's tough man, he, and he wants he wants to play. I mean. It's funny because you, you every shot of him on the sideline this year, you could tell he was like dying to jump on the field. So I just, I, you know, I hope he's, I hope he's all right. I don't know if this is, you know, them just doing a little gamesmanship, but I don't think they would even talk about this if they didn't think there was a chance he might play. We'll be right back after these words. Okay, so what about defensive line? Well, this Depending. is the one where we don't really know who's who's going to play. Uh, this is it's weird because in both of these teams, there it feels like they're a little down from their usual. You know, it feels like Ohio State does not have the Chase Young Bosa brother type this year. Though I thought I thought Tyreek Smith played really well in the in the Sugar Bowl. I thought they they really had a good pass rush. The two defensive tackles I thought were maybe played their best game. In the Sugar Bowl, 
I think you could say that Ohio State's production from their defensive linemen, I think all of them collectively had their best games at the same time. So yeah. I think it's very hard to answer that question right now. But if Ohio State's healthy and can match that production, I would give the edge to Ohio State's defensive line. Yeah, I mean, Barmore is a, is probably a first-round draft pick for Alabama, and and Will Anderson is is going to be great. So it this is it's interesting because it feels like Alabama has a little more a little better pass rush than than they usually do. They're they're not always a big sack team. They're not always a big. It's more just do what you're supposed to do. Keep contain. We'll make the quarterback make a mistake. We'll cover, and and if you can get to him, great. But but it looks like they they actually have ways to get to you now, which I'm curious to see against Justin Fields, who's particularly elusive. How much of a difference that makes, and part of it too, you know, with with Fields is how his ribs are holding up. <laughs> because let's not forget, he took a major shot to his rib cage, yeah. and like the hope for Ohio State is obviously that he's able to play at a high level. Um, but what about linebackers, Andy? That's I. I think I might go with Ohio State on this one. And then what about secondary? Alabama. So I think if we're doing the tally here, because I think that secondary is a snap Alabama too, because Ohio State's had secondary issues all year. Um, Alabama might have an advantage at multiple, at what, two position groups or three position groups? Or like they have two it's a better even matchup is what you're, yeah, is what I'm, you're what saying. What I'm trying and, to and say is, right. and even in the instances where Ohio State might be the, the the dog like at receiver for instance or at running back ohio state is going to potentially match the production from players that aren't as good as Devonte smith and Najee harris so i think when you step back and look at the cumulative talent on both rosters the way that ohio state is playing right now and the fact that they can go toe-to-toe at every position group i think you are looking at what will be a very good football game or at least yeah, that's that's I, the I hope no, I, I do too, and and I'm I'm very excited about that because, you know, we get these games and and you know sometimes they're just not very interesting. Sometimes the semis are not very interesting. You know, I I thought the Ohio State Clemson game this year was fascinating, even though it was a, a quote unquote blowout, because when the underdog blows out the favorite, that's always interesting. But the Alabama Notre Dame game was boring as hell, and. I want an exciting championship game. Last year's championship game was not exciting. You know, it's been a while since we've had one that was kind of tooth and nail. And obviously the last one was the one that went into overtime and, and Tua Tungavailoa hit Devontae Smith to win the national title. That's the last time we had a, a classic national championship game. I'm hoping for that. I really am. And again, if, it, if it's going to fit any profile of any recent game, I want it to be Alabama Clemson one because – I just thought that is what a national championship football game should be. Great players doing great things over and over and over again. Yeah. What do you think Ohio State has to do in order to slow down Alabama's offense, or particularly Devontae Smith? What has to happen? It's like I think it's it's turnovers. You you you've got to just flip the field. You got to flip it on them a couple times. You got to you got to get a fumble. You got to and like the the biggest play for Alabama this year, I think, was. They turn the ball over against Florida, and then John Mechie crushes the guy, and they get it right back. Like, that was massive because the only way you keep Alabama off schedule is you create a change in the schedule by causing a turnover. Because I, I really think 
just getting stops against Alabama, I don't think that's a reliable way to, to, to win the game. They're just not going to be stopped that often. So you got to force them to make a mistake. You got to hope, you know, somebody has a ball bounce off his hands and you can catch it. That you have to capitalize on any miscue that they make because they don't make many mistakes. And, you know, I think about it. If Florida keeps that ball, if Mechie does not jar that ball loose, is that game different? Is the outcome of that game different? Because, the second half, you know, Alabama wins by six, but it was one of those where Alabama was up two scores, then Florida would score up two scores. What if it had been seesaw? Alabama leads, Florida leads, Alabama. It would have been a, a little bit different tone of the game. And Mechie made that happen by getting the ball back for Alabama. But if, if Ohio State can do that, if they can force some turnovers, I do think that changes the tone and that changes the schedule and that's the only hope you have because Alabama is going to score. The thought of just stopping them over and over feels like a pipe dream to me. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you completely. I wonder uh, if Ohio State's uh, can can get in Mac Jones's face a little bit, disrupt his rhythm a little bit. If you know, facing a, a team this athletic and a team that can get into his face more, maybe more so than any team on their schedule, could maybe you know, change things a little bit about Alabama's offense. And it's just like, I think you just have to resign your yourself to understanding that Devontae Smith is probably going to have 11 catches for 181 yards and two touchdowns. It's like, how can Ohio State win that game with that stat line still? I think it's an interesting dynamic. Do yeah. you like let Mechie go for 150? Do you want uh, Najee Harris to go for 150 and, and slow the game down a little bit? Um, I, I just like don't know what's the plan here because the plan for Ohio it's, State can't just be... It's like you like, have to, they have to score a touchdown every time they it's have like, the ball. It's like playing the Bulls. You got to let Michael get his and and hope you can you can hold the Jordanaires to to but less. You got to you, you got to limit Scottie Pippen and John Paxson. Do you do you like put two guys or, or focus two guys on Devonte Smith completely and get beaten by other players, or do you let him no. get his and slow everybody else down? You let Devonte get his, keep stuff in front of you. The thing is, Ohio State is is athletic enough that. The plays that go for touchdowns against a lot of the teams that Alabama plays don't necessarily always go for touchdowns against an Ohio State. But we also have to remember, too, Andy, that like a month and a half ago when you and I were arguing about Ohio State and Texas A&M, we were talking about how Indiana like lit them up in the second half. Like this is still a team that is susceptible (laughs) to allowing really like athletic receivers. And like, I don't know, they haven't played enough games for me to say, yeah, that problem is solved. And that's what I, I would worry right. about if I were an Ohio State fan. It's just, you know, they beat Clemson. I think they bothered Trevor Lawrence at a, at a rate that he hadn't been bothered in a long time. Um, they created some turnovers. The defensive line, though, very good at pressure all year, finally got home. They got a lot of production from players who, you know, we thought were afterthoughts. And that's how you beat Clemson. And it's just like, can they redo that? Can they can they well, do let, that let again? Me, let me throw this at you. Do they beat Clemson if, if Justin Ross had been – healthy all year and playing i don't know i think the game would have been much closer I, it's like the biggest thing that exactly yeah and like exactly. now they're you're last adding year that. last year a a better ohio state defense got hand, got handled by justin ross and t higgins and company yeah but clemson when amari rogers is your best receiver and you don't have justin ross and Nagata's hurt and and you just don't have that that big physical threat that you had before i, I don't I don't think it's the same thing. And I think that's why they were able to get some stops. It's funny that 
the Sugar Bowl reminded me a little bit of the Alabama-Oklahoma Orange Bowl when Alabama was playing the Kyler Murray-Oklahoma team. And it was just in a different order. In that Alabama-Oklahoma game, Alabama got three consecutive stops to start the game and scored to answer every time. And the game was over. In the second quarter of the the Clemson-Ohio State game, the Buckeyes stopped Clemson three times in a row and scored every time. And that was the end of the game. And that's the thing. If if you can string stops together and score – you it's it's like breaking serve in tennis. So the part that's the part I don't know how many stops either of these teams can string together against. I don't the know other. that Ohio State can get stops on three consecutive drives against Alabama. I don't know if that's even I'm possible. I'm not sure if they I'm not sure if Alabama can do that against Ohio State. I know. I, mean, if I know. All, like if Al, it, yeah, if Alabama gets three consecutive stops at any point in the game Alabama's winning. Yep. I agree. I think if Ohio State gets three consecutive stops at any point in the game, they still might have an uphill battle. Um, but it's just like a hard dynamic because I think it exists for both. Both teams um, ha- feel like they have to score touchdowns on every drive. And when you put that in a, put that into context of like how much pressure that is, that's kind of a tough thing to have to live with and contend with. So, you know, I, I don't know exactly how, you know, Sometimes it's just so easy to like look at statistics and past games and compare them and just go, this is how the game is going to go. And sometimes it might be completely different. Like what if at the end of the game, you have two running backs who have 195 yards each and the score is 31 to 28 with six minutes left in the game. Like I, I could see a world where that might happen too, because it just, I, I, I can see a world where that happens. But if it's 31, 28 with six minutes left in the game, I bet it, it finishes like 42 to 38 or, or 45 <laughs> to 42. Yeah. I, this, just is, like, this is going to be great. The thing that <laughs> really I just find is. fascinating is that we are comparing Alabama's past performances and Devontae Smith's out, outputs and the way Mac Jones has been playing to, you know, majorly uh, a schedule where they are outmatching their opponents. And it's the same with Ohio State. Yes. Ohio State is outmatching their opponents. And. You know, I think Ohio State has a more impressive win right now than Alabama does just in the in the case of beating Clemson as opposed to beating Notre Dame. But for the most part, we don't really know exactly what these teams are against teams with equitable talent. And that's what makes these games no. so fun because you can look back and say, this is what Alabama does here. This is what Alabama does there. Here's how Ohio State handled this, or here's where Ohio State scored here. And just like when Alabama has a first-round draft pick in every position group, can you do those things again? And the same goes for Alabama. And that's kind of where I wonder sometimes if we overanalyze how everything has gone in the past and then really don't give much credence to how things might go because Ohio State, for as great of an offense as they have, shouldn't be able to score every time they're playing a team with this much talent. And same goes for Alabama. And it's just like, I'm, I don't know if I'm talking myself into the under here, but I don't think that things are supposed to look the way we are. expect them. I don't know. <laughs> Are they supposed to look the way that we expect them to look? Or is it supposed to look different because they're playing a team with caliber of players they haven't faced all year? Both of these teams are grossly stacked. And that's the best part. That is the best part. That is why I'm so excited. So Ari, before we let the folks go, we got to give them a prediction. What is your final score? I think it would be irresponsible to pick Ohio State right now. And I think that like the idea of... Um, Ohio State playing the best that they're playing right now, a team that's overcome 
the potential of not even having a season to just Justin Fields getting another crack at it to the way they beat Clemson. I think it's a very easy way to talk yourself into Ohio State because this reminds me a lot of 2014 when every week Ohio State kept winning and everybody the following week kept thinking that they were going to lose. Um, and then they shocked the world and won the national championship with a backup quarterback. And now third although, string, he'll remind you third string. Yeah, it will be. Sorry, Cardale. I don't want to be in your mentions right now, uh, but I I do think that it is very possible that Ohio State wins the game. I don't know that it's the right thing to do to pick it to happen, because when great things happen, it should be written about after the fact, not projected. And right now, with some of the covid concerns, I think Ohio State has some more um, some more concerns than Alabama does in that regard. And uh, the fact of the matter is, I don't know that Ohio State has an answer for Devontae Smith. And, you know, Ohio State hasn't played a team this good, this talented. So my prediction, I think, is Alabama 41, Ohio State 35. That's technically the over, but that's the prediction I gave on Bill Landis's uh, podcast with Bill Landis, 4-6, to six, and you have to have the same prediction on everything. You can't change it. Um, I might make the score You're a exactly little bit right. lower now that we had our discussion to something lower, but I still think that Alabama wins but doesn't cover. I think I'm with you there. I'm going to go Alabama 48, Ohio State 45. I am going to try to speak the game I want into existence. I don't care who wins. If if you can flip the score and Ohio State wins, that's fine too. But make that the final score and everybody without a rooting interest goes home happy. And, you know, listen, this has been a very challenging season for everybody. It has not been the most fun season to cover, but... I am very grateful for college football being there and, and, and trying to make a pretty sucky year a little more normal. So uh, I would love to see if if this season could just go out with a blaze of glory with the game we all wanted, the type of game we all wanted. And so give me 48-45. I'll say Alabama wins it, but I don't care who wins it. Just score a bunch of touchdowns and let's let's all watch some football. Yeah, I mean, it'd be crazy if we we went through doing the best that we can to arriving with the playoff that it probably was always going to be to begin with to a potentially amazing game at the end. I think that would be a huge win for a season that a lot of us didn't think were possible, and that's what I'm hoping for, too. That's exactly right. 2021 is going to be better. Let's start with a bang. Lots of points. Come on, Crimson Tide and Buckeyes. Bring it on. Don't bother playing defense. Let's do this. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you right after the game.